Hello, and welcome to ASMR Tirar de Huello. Are you hoping to calm your mind, relax your body, or experience ASMR? Dr. Andrew Michaels is here to help you. Today, we want to make sure you know how much we appreciate you. Thank you for listening and being a part of our podcast family. If you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to share your favorite episode with someone. It really does help our podcast grow. Hello. Welcome. Please come in and sit down. I have a scary story to tell you today. It was told to me by a friend. I don't know how I can articulate it correctly, but I'll try. I had a friend who desperately tried to prevent his best friend from taking his own life. Now, I'm no expert. I'm no doctor. I just play one on TV. Dr. Andrew Michaels is a character, and this is a serious audio about a very touchy subject. But it's one I want to get off my chest. So this friend was uh, having a lot of problems with drinking and uh, he was a little out of control. He was literally throwing away his education. And I, I couldn't turn him around. I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't get him to stop what he was doing. I knew about his friend who had passed away that took his own life. And I thought he had dealt with it. I thought it was in the past. You never really get over loss like that, but you can learn to cope with it. You can learn to compartmentalize it. You can learn to give it its own space so that you can function and move on with your life. And I always tell people things like, well, that's what your friend would want. He would want you to move, and your loved one, they would want you to move on with your life. They would want you to have a full life. They wouldn't want to see you suffering. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. But I also think there's a lot of sadness in that. It's hard to let go. People have a sense of justice, revenge, and getting even, if you will. And it's 
the kind of crime where you just can't get even. You can't take revenge. You can't make it right. You can't put somebody in jail or irons and throw them away in a deep, dark cell. And I told my friend this, and that's when he broke down. He told me the most horrendous story I ever heard. And when he told me, I felt his rage. I felt his emptiness and his anger and his desire for revenge. And I understood. And believe it or not, that's what he needed to hear. He needed to hear that somebody actually understood. His friend was a young person who was going through a lot of torment in life. He wasn't getting along with his father. I won't mince words about it. His father was a animal. Sometimes I think we hold back in these podcasts and the videos we make. We coddle the subject matter. We try to uh, make it all vanilla with a little bit of chocolate and strawberry so it's palatable. And I think that's good when you're not trying to hurt somebody, but I'm purposefully trying to hurt someone right now. I'm taking my mandolin and I'm playing it note by note. And this bard wants to lay down a tale where I hurt that man, that so-called father, for what he did to his child. I want to hurt him. I want people to remember the words that I put down in this recording, and I want them to remember what he did to this child. And I want him to know he hurt my child, too. That's right. The person suffering the person who tried to stop his friend from taking his life, the one whose life was wrecked, was my own son. And his best friend is gone. And he tried so hard. He was working with his friend's mother. They had him in therapy. They had him work in a small job. And they were working with him, despite the father's efforts, this young boy's mother and my son were doing their best to get him on the right path, get him over what was going on, and get him away from his father. And we already know the end of the story, they failed. So why even talk about it? Why even go there? Why even bring it up? It's over now. Because he's not getting away with this. 
I can't call the police. I can't put him in jail. I can't prosecute him. He didn't actually commit a crime as far as I know. But we all know what he did. And he deserves to be immortalized. He should be proud. This is what he wanted. He can say it isn't. But when you take a loaded gun and you lay it on the table in front of a troubled child and you tell him, see this, do the right thing, get it done before I get back. I think you're culpable. I think you're as guilty as sin. The letter of the law might not hold you to it. But I'll hold you there. I'll talk about it. You should be proud of yourself. It's what you wanted. Now the story is he left the gun on the table. And that time he called my son. He told my son. My son come over. They put the gun away. He talked him through it. And they started getting him some help. And they started talking about getting him out of there. Maybe move away. Maybe move somewhere. Get out. And he thought he was making progress. But the constant arguing, berating, beating down, the mental abuse that this child was experiencing was taking its toll. And eventually, he had had enough. And he set about ending his life. And I know this is hard to talk about, and I don't know how far I should go into depth, but he planned it out against his mother and my son's wishes, and without their knowledge. He put together presents and gifts, saved his money, and spent it on his friends to have a good time. They would go out and have a few beers. He was old enough to drink. I know I keep saying he's a child, but he's He's a child to me. He grew up with my son. I mean, he was at my house all the time. I mean, I knew this kid. He worked with my boys, and uh, and we knew him. And uh, he would get a little tiny personal funny gift, and they thought he was being funny. They thought he was being silly. They thought he was being a silly little romantic, giving away little personal gifts, favorite games. I'm not going to play it anymore. I'm going to get into a new system and giving away his favorite little personal objects. And nobody really put it together. My son would have figured it out because he had knowledge of the whole situation, but nobody else saw it. Nobody else thought to call or tell my son that he was doing this. Well, one of the last friends he went out with, he gave him a funny little present, and it was two guys go out. And it was really funny because the present was all wrapped up and had ribbons and bows on it. It was really an odd 
thing for a guy to give another guy. So it was a little funny. But this was his nature. He was always a fun kid, a good kid, a funny, silly comedian. He had a lot of humor, a dry wit, just off-the-wall way of looking at the world. He was was always, like, I don't know, a step ahead of everybody on the curve when it came to humor and laughter and just causing mayhem. And he, he just... He was just a something. He was a good kid. He was a funny kid. And so he handed this boy a present and he opened it up and it was a silly little, he thought it was a gag gift. And he was like, you know, whatever. And they went out and had a couple of beers. Well, on the way home, they got stopped for a uh, traffic violation and uh, the car got impounded. And the police said, uh, basically, they knew the boy. And they said that if they called my son and they said, if my son would come and get him and take him home, he didn't have to, you know, he'd be, he wouldn't get, you know, in any, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just a passenger. He just needed a ride home. They would let him go with my son if he would take him home. So this is like two o'clock in the morning and my son comes and, and I won't lie. I think they got in a little bit of an argument because he wasn't supposed to be drinking. He was supposed to be taking, you know, medication for his depression. And, um, he wasn't supposed to be staying out late, you know, cause he has to work and everything. And I don't know exactly what transpired, but basically my son and him had, you know, not words in a bad way, but discussed it. And, uh, when it was all over with, my son thought, you know, okay, everything's okay. Let him go. So it was like two o'clock in the morning. So the last two people to see this boy alive was the policeman who put him into my son's custody to drive home. And around four or five in the morning, his mother found him. I won't go into the method, but it wasn't the gun that his father was so proudly shoving in his kid's face. I have three children. I'm a loving father. I've literally done everything for my kids. I'm not bragging. That's what you do. See, that's the difference. If I was bragging, I'd be trying to convince you that I gave everything for and to my children. I'm telling you I did. But the one thing I didn't do was shove a gun on the table and tell him to get out of my sight. Do me a favor. I can't even comprehend how many times I've wanted to just live another day just so I could kiss my kids on their head. Or rub their hair. You know, give them a Dutch rub on. We called it a Dutch rub. You know, you rub knuckles in their hair, you know, and get them all mad. Or hug them. Just see them, make sure they're okay. And that's what you're supposed to do. And I know there's a lot of people out there that joke around about this, but the reality is that's what you're supposed to do.
But anyway, the police came and the EMS comes and the coroner comes and everything is addressed and all the papers are signed. Now I'm dealing with a son who's a train wreck. And months go by and it it seems like he's getting better. He he seems like he's okay, and then he just kind of starts backsliding a little bit. My my son's a fighter. My sons are fighters. They're hard working fighters. I thought I was a workaholic. My sons, <laughs> I forgot what it's like to be that young and that strong, and have the endurance that my family has. This built-in insane endurance to work. And if I fear it, I see it in my children, and I fear it. Nobody can outwork my boys. Nobody can outwork me at that age. This is impossible. It's not possible. There's no give. I know parents brag up their children, but I'm not joking. And I know when we get a onto something, it's like a dog with a bone. And you just keep gnawing away at you. Gnawing away at that bone. And something was gnawing away at my son. Hard. Right down to the bone. And I just couldn't put it together. And I couldn't figure it out. And, uh... We had some talks, and we got to the bottom of most of it, and I thought we were past certain things, but it just kept going on, until finally I was with him one night, and we were in the car, and we got home, and we were in the driveway, and he just turned and said, uh, I was with him that night. It was a night just like tonight, that slow train coming down the track, that whistle blowing. That's the thing about memories like this, a little tiny sound or a leaf falling across the hood of your car, the wind blowing the branches of a tree, just a little trigger puts you right back there back at that moment, right back, and there I am, sitting with my son, dropping my car off to the dealer to get some work done, and he turns and says, I was with him that night, what do you mean you were with him that night, I was with him, I was the last person to see him alive, and I said, you should have told me that, he said, I tried everything. Tried everything. And he told me about the gifts and the presents and the little nights out with the friends. Going out individually with a friend so that nobody could put it together. Nobody knew that he was playing these little goodbye games with everybody. He was perfect. He was a genius. He was one of those kids that just had it together in his head. You know, once he put something together, he was a master of cunning things. Very smart. Very intelligent. And he... He did everything perfect. And he's a 
I had no idea. I said, well, it's not your fault. It's not your fault and it's not the policeman's fault for putting him in your custody. It's not the friends he went out with that night. It's not his mother's fault. He said, I can't. I almost said his dad and he stopped me. Don't say that. And that's when he told me about the dad. Now, I keep going back to this one part of the story, and I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for mentioning it. I don't care. He's welcome to come talk to me anytime he wants. You know, the law might let you go, but this universe isn't done with you yet. And you should always remember that when you go out and quietly and discreetly piss all over innocent people in the universe, laughing and joking and smoking and just having a ball. Need to remember there's always a witness. There's always a witness. Somebody saw what you did. There's always a witness. And he told me the story about the gun. I tried to console my son and I said, there's, there's, there, they don't have words to tell you what to do right now. There's no book. They tried to do it with Bibles and uh, psychology books and math books to explain why these things happen. Here's the mathematics behind it. Here's Here's the possible religious and supernatural reasons why these things happen. And here's the psychological and the mental reasons this happened. And they even have these books called history books that, uh, you know, write all these things down so that this is why it happened. This is exactly why these things happen. They try to explain these things in history. They tell us why people do these things. I said, but the truth is there are no words to explain this. There are no words to tell you that are going to help you right now. You just have to accept it happened. And you've got to move on. But the big difference is, now that I know, you don't have to go through it alone. You don't have to be alone anymore. No matter how much you helped him, something inside him made him feel alone. The difference is he had somebody that was always telling him he was alone. And that's the difference. You have somebody that's always telling you you're not alone. Now, I know it's just words, and I know it's just your dad trying to make you feel better. But I have to convince you, I can feel this pain 
I can't even comprehend it, but I can feel it. And you're not alone with it anymore. And when the time's right, we're going to talk to your mom and your brother about it. And I'm going to help you talk to your girlfriend about it, who was a serious girlfriend. So, but at the time she was his girlfriend, but I don't want to say any more about that. And we're going to, we're going to help you. And when our back is turned and you're alone, we're going to make sure there's nobody around telling you that we're lying and that you actually are alone. We're going to protect you. And someday you're going to, you're going to look out for one of us the same way. That's what family does. What happened to him, that's not what family does. And if I can live a hundred years, I'll always be here for you. And I, I didn't know what else to say, but that I loved him and it's going to be all right. Somehow it's going to be all right. We're going to get through it together. And that's where I want to leave this tonight. You might feel alone and you might have somebody telling you, oh, that's great what you saw and what you heard and what people tell you. But in reality, you're alone and you suck. Why don't you do us all a favor? And I'm here to tell you that they are the king of lies. You are not alone. There are people like me that work our asses off. We overwork. We work until we die. We work until our fingers bleed and our knees are broken and our backs give out. Every bit of cartilage in our body is gone. And we do it because we're out there trying to make a better world for people like you. There's a silly analogy that humanity is like a flock of sheep, and they like to make fun of the sheep, but the sheep comfort each other. They love each other. They care for each other. They nurture each other, and they raise their babies and in love and light and warmth and they raise their babies in a safe environment that is until the wolves come along and there's two things that stand between the sheep and that is the wolf do the wolf dog the dog and the shepherd the dog's job is to protect the herd from the wolves, chase them away, keep the sheep in line, keep them in a safe area, safeguard them. And the shepherd's job is to point out those dangers, to be loyal to those wolf dogs, train them, feed them, 
reward them. And it's a cycle that you need to understand. There's nothing wrong with being a sheep, and there's nothing wrong with being a dog, and there's nothing wrong with being a shepherd. We all have our purpose and our place in life. But there is something wrong with being a wolf. And when you're a no-good, filthy, rotten wolf out there trying to kill the herd, you might think you're justified, but you need to remember, you need to always remember, there's going to be people like me and my son standing between you and the herd. Now, we might fail once in a while, but eventually, we're going to win the day. Because unlike you, the wolf, we never quit. We never give up. We never say it's okay to have violence against a woman. It's never okay to abuse a child. And it's never okay to kill someone. And we're always going to be there. And eventually, the herd will grow strong. And when it gets strong enough, there won't be any more room. There won't be any place left for wolves like that. And I tell you all these things because you're not alone. You're part of a whole. You're part of a group that shepherds, protects, and nurtures. The sheep are as important to the herd as the dog as the shepherd is. You need the nurturing love of the herd, the warmth, the comfort that comes from it. You need the protection of the dogs that circle the herd, and you need the protection of the shepherd who guides the herd and points out the dangers and removes them. Figure out who you are. Embrace it. And find others that will work with you for the common goal of making this world a better place. Don't give up. This story sounds like a horrible story because in one way my son failed. But in another way my son survived. We got him the help he needed. We talked through it. We worked with him. And now he is stronger for what he's gone through. And we work hard every day to save more and more lives. And eventually, there won't be any room left for that wolf and this world will be done with him.
and I won't miss him. To be quite honest, you won't either. And that's the difference. Let's make the world a better place. You're not alone. Don't give up. Next week we'll have a more cheery subject. But I think this needed to be talked about. I wasn't sure how to address it, but this is the best I could do. And if I help you, please let me know. And if you need help, please let me know. Don't go it alone. If you need help, reach out. There are people who will help you. So don't give up on yourself. Remember that train whistle that night when my son told me the things that he had to tell me? That train whistle, right now, that train whistle. That's your cue. It's time for you to talk. It's time for you to get help. It's time for you to tell those that love you that you need help and get the help you need. So do it today. Don't wait. Do it today. And know that in my heart, Dr. Andrew Michaels will always love you. And I'll always be here to help you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tirar de Huello. Please take a moment to share rate, and review this podcast. It really does help. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library of videos at youtube.com slash The theme song, Atlantis, is by Jason Shaw of audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tirardehuello at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels, thank you.